Awesome. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand of praise. What a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. Listen, I, am, uh, I, I just leaned over to Jared. I said, only you have so much swag, you can make a floral shirt look cool. <laughs> I mean, seriously, pink flowers on top of that. Go ahead, bruh. Um, Listen, you all, uh, I am so thrilled to see what God is doing in this community. I was here when uh, the dust was settling on what you guys had done then, and to see what God is doing, uh, to God be the glory, but even beyond what he's doing inside of these four walls, to see your consistent commitment to our city and to our world. Uh, can you just give God praise for Soul City? This is a great church. So when I got the call inviting me to come and to share, it was just an honor uh, to be here, particularly for this Voices uh, series. So let's go to God in prayer as we approach the word of God together. Father, thank you for the worship that we've lifted in song to you. We pray that your heart was blessed. Thank you, God, for the opportunity that many of us gave to take those resources that you've given to us and give a portion of that back to you in a, in a form of worship. And now we get the joy of sitting around your word together. God, would you let your word do what it always does? Would it be a lamp to our feet, a light on our path? We cannot stumble. We cannot be unsure of our, of our feet when your word directs us. And so would you convict us? Would you encourage us? Would you give us direction? Would you help us have a perspective that would honor you? And when God, when we leave this place, we'll be careful to give you the glory and honor. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to share with you all uh, from, the new, from the Old Testament, uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 13, Numbers, chapter 13, beginning at verse 27. And uh, actually in front of you, you have Bibles, and so I think they even have a verse, uh, the page number there. So those of you that would like to do that, please don't feel any pressure to do it. But um, Numbers, chapter 13, beginning at verse 27. It says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites. They live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. I want to read that last verse or that last sentence again. We, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. I want to talk today from the subject, having a faith-filled perspective. Having a faith-filled perspective. You all, I'm getting older, and as I get older, I'm noticing that things are changing. Um, yeah, so there are hair follicles that are no longer present. Um, when I bend down to tie my shoes, it's more of a journey than it used to be. 
But the thing that really is kind of uh, resonating the most about my age is the necessity of these little guys that I'm holding in my hand. Now, I'm nearsighted, which means I can read uh, words fine up close, but if I do not want to murder people along the highway while I'm driving, it's critical that I wear these glasses. What they do is they correct my vision. As I'm getting older and as I'm uh, you know, kind of becoming more in age, my vision that was once crisp, uh, sharp, I was able to see things. Now my vision, as it is impaired, I need to get some corrective lenses to help that that is not what it used to be. I believe that for many people, we spiritually are kind of like that. That at one point, our vision might have been a bit sharper, our outlook may have been a bit, bit brighter, more optimistic, but through life and the challenges of life, sometimes our vision has become not faith-filled, but fear-filled, not faith-filled, but doubt-filled, not faith-filled, but anxiety-filled, and, and we need some corrective lenses, as it were, so that we could be able to see life in a different way. And I believe the Word of God gives us that correct lens to see life the way it should be. I want to read to you all uh, kind of the opening of a book that's one of my favorite books. You guys may recognize this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. So Charles Dickens opens up this book, A Tale of Two Cities, looking at the outlook of the city and seeing two different destinies, one of them positive, one of them negative, one of them optimistic, one of them very pessimistic. And indeed, that's how life is often, isn't it? That people can look at the same thing, people can look at the same set of circumstances, one of them believing that, yes, we're well able to do it, another saying it is impossible to do it. And that's where we find ourselves here in the book of Numbers, seeing this account that is being given. So let me give the backstory to what had occurred. Many of you may know the children of Israel are the children of God. These are the chosen people of God. And one of the promises that he made to them is that one day I'm going to give you your own land, and it will be a very bountiful land, a very abundant land flowing with milk and honey. And so Moses is now at the edge of the promised land and sends some spies into the land, spies to kind of investigate what are the things we're going to run into, what are the different things that we need to be aware of as we enter into what God has promised. And so now they're coming back to give the report of what they found, and it's here in Numbers 13, verse 27. Look at it here. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. So they said, we, we went as you instructed, and as we got in there, we see that it's an amazingly abundant land, amazingly full of great agricultural, uh, abound, just boundless in that. As a matter of fact, here is its fruit. We brought back some of the fruit that we found in that land. But then they changed their view of what they saw. They said, look at the next verse. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. And then they kind of gave a, a list of the various armies and the people groups that were there, the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Canaanites, these very organized, very uh, long-standing civilizations. They had gathered in different parts of the Promised Land. And so these these spies came back saying, you know what, we went in and we saw that the land that God promised, it does have great abundance. We brought back some of the fruit. However, even though it is great, 
you know, greatly resourced. We saw that the cities are fortified and the enemies are great and they're stronger than we are. We can't go in and attack these people. Isn't it interesting how when God makes a promise, it's often met with a challenge. And I don't know, I don't know if any about any of you all when you became a Christian didn't read the fine print, you know. But for many of us, we thought that the moment that we became Christians, it was just going to be like walking, like tiptoe through the tulips kind of thing, right? Oh, when I come to know Jesus, everybody's going to like me. I'm not going to have any issues. As a matter of fact, I remember a story of a lady down in Mississippi uh, at a testimonial service, one of the little small churches, and she got up and she said, first giving honor to God who's the head of my life. I want to thank God for the pastor. And I just want to mention I've been saved for 23 years, and I've not run into the devil one time. The pastor said, would you bow your head and ask Jesus to come into your heart, please? She said, what do you mean? I told you I've been saved for 21 years. He said, no, the reason that you've not encountered him is that you were running with him. It's impossible to be on God's team and not have the opposite of God's team fighting you. So the Bible says in this world, you will have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer because he's overcome it. But here we are in a situation where the promised land is within reach, the promised land, but there's doubt and there's fear because of what they see. I wonder how many of us have been given promises of God. How many of us have been given, given promises from his word? Maybe God has spoken something into your own heart, a dream, a vision, an idea that you know was from him. But now the circumstances and the situations that are in front of us make us doubt what God has said. They said we can't do it, impossible. We see how many enemies there are. We see they're very large people. The cities are fortified in the natural in the natural, in our own strength, we can't do it. Who even told them that it's going to be in their strength? And let me just say this, by the way. By the time it came for them to enter into the promised land, you do know it had nothing to do with their strength. They started walking around the whole city, and then the seventh time, they just started making a lot of noise, and the whole city just, boom, the whole walls came down, and they went in. That's how they won. And here you are trying to figure out, well, if I get a degree, and if I get my five-year plan, and if I get this kind of, if I network a little bit more, and if I get my social media presence, if I brand myself, if you do all that, you still ain't going to get no money. Ain't nobody going to know you. It's about God. And by the way, by the way, when things are funny and you don't laugh, you are a very depressed person. <laughs> you know, there's funny stuff going on, and you just still got to fake. We're going to talk about you in a second. Here we go. So, so after they gave this negative report, you all, uh, Caleb silenced the people before Moses. If you all remember, Caleb is one of the, the spies who had a very different perspective than the other ten. Not only Caleb, but also Joshua had a different perspective. And this is what Caleb says. Caleb says, listen, we should go up and take possession of the land. Why? For we can certainly do it. Caleb said, you know what? I believe that we should go up right now and take possession because we can do it. How can one person look at one situation one way and another person look at the same situation and they see it another way? I believe because one person has lenses or has vision or has a mindset of faith and the others have vision or insight or a mindset of fear. And all of us as human beings are given this amazing gift called free will. Unlike animals that often just move by instinct, we have choice. And we have the choice to either walk in faith, believe, or to walk in fear and doubt. Now you all, whether you know it or not, you're a believer if you're a Christian. So believer kind of means believe. Just a thought. Believe. 
But what happens when doubt, what happens when the things that we see in the natural make us so fearful? It ends up canceling out sometimes the very fate that requires us to actually enter into what God has promised. So I need you to see what he So right after, right after Caleb silences the people, notice what happens next in verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him says, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. So he said, Caleb says, we should do it right away. He said, no, 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 we can't do it because they're stronger than we are. How did they know that they're stronger than they are? They hadn't arm wrestled them. They hadn't gotten, they, how did they know that they were stronger than they were? Could it have been their perception? Could it have been, again, their perspective? You all, I wonder how many of us are missing the blessings of God because the circumstances and the situations of our lives make us doubt God. There's a story in scripture where Jesus was uh, traveling with the disciples and he was in the, the Bible said he was in the hinder part, or he was in the bottom part of the ship and the storm came and, the, and the, the, the water started getting to the boat. Now you do know if you're at the kind of bottom of the boat and water's coming into the boat, you get the water first. Jesus is chilling on a pillow, slobbering a little bit. I believe some Holy Spirit anointed slob that was coming out of his mouth. And as he's knocked out sleeping, the disciples come, you may remember, and they wake him up and they say, Jesus, don't you care? That, that's an oxymoron. I mean, Jesus, don't you even care that we are perishing? How many of us, when life circumstances come at us and, and the winds and the waves and the oppositions and the, the, the cities that seem fortified, the impossibilities are before us, many of us, like the disciples, we end up saying, Jesus, if you cared about us, if you cared about me, you would not allow this situation to be in front of me. And so many of us begin to doubt God because of what we see as opposed to what he said. Do you know that if Jesus is on the boat, you ain't going to drown? Listen, y'all, if Jesus is on the doggone boat, you need to take a nap to grab another pillow. Listen, Jesus, Jesus is so bad, if he wanted to, if the water filled it up, it would have become the first submarine. How many of you may not know Jesus is in your boat? Jesus is with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. Now, in the 20 minutes and 49 seconds I got left, <laughs> I want to remind some of you who may not know about this being excited around the Bible teaching moment. I'm black, and I've been that way a long time. <laughs> and in my cultural context, when things get a little bit uh, exciting or resonate, we say things like amen or praise God or, you know, hallelujah. And I understand some of us and our personality types are not that way. I get it. I get it. Harvey, I'm so excited to know that you have so much energy. That really, I, that's so encouraging to me. I, I, love, I love it. I love it. Man, I'm not going to go to sleep today. I tell you that much. But that's not how I'm wired. That's just not my personality type. That's just not my, you know, that's just not how I'm, I'm just not how I'm designed. Liar, liar, you. Because you are designed that way. I've watched you in the spirit at a football game. I've watched you at a basketball. Don't you tell me. Don't you tell me you don't have in your personality to get loud. 
There are people that you don't know, people that have never done anything for you because they're throwing a piss can through the air. You are screaming. You are hugging strangers. You are painting your face over some people who ain't done nothing for you. But when I think about Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God. Is there anybody here that loves the Lord? Give him a praise in here. Hallelujah. So the next few minutes, all of y'all are uh, black for the next 15 minutes. You can tweet that. You can put that on your Instagram. I was black for 15 minutes. So on one side, you all, we have Caleb giving a faith-filled perspective that, you know what? Let's go up right now and take possession of it. Let's go into what God has promised because we are able to do it. But now we hear the report, no, we can't because they are stronger than we are. But listen, you all, uh, once fear begins to grow, fear begins to do more damage than just to you. Because then it says in the next verse, and not only did they, listen, not only did they operate in fear and doubt and unbelief and anxiety, but they wanted to send an Evite to other people to join them. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. So not only did they have this view, this negative opinion, this negative uh, outlook and insight about the situation, but they said, I need to help have other people kind of have the same view. Have you ever seen uh, Peanuts uh, cartoon with Pigpen? He's a little guy that has dirt that just follows him everywhere he goes. Or there's another cloud guy that has like a little rain cloud that follows him wherever he goes. And some of us, that's how we are. And some of us unknowingly actually want others to join our pity party. And you know what? It doesn't mean that your situations are not real. Please, please do not leave this place feeling like we've minimized what may be some really serious things you're dealing with. Sometimes when you come to church and you hear preachers or whomever kind of say things that kind of seem like they're trivializing maybe cancer, maybe trivializing being laid off, maybe trivializing a relationship that's been broken. And I mean, it could be very hard. You all, I, I like you, am in the midst of looking at things in the natural and it can seem overwhelming. This is my hometown, but every time I come and I turn on the news, you can't imagine how in, in Detroit, which they said was a bad city, it's not as bad as far as violence as my hometown, Chicago, where every other few minutes somebody's being brutally shot or profiled or whatever. And then as I turn on national news, it seems like even there's more visceral activity, right? As we look at our world, the uncertainty of it, people running for safety from their homelands with children in arms, and that's all they have are the clothes on their back. Wars and rumors of wars, sometimes it can just be overwhelming, right? And so you all, I'm not minimizing the pain of this, and I'm not trivializing the severity of what you may be going through, what all of us collectively are going through, but what I'm saying is this, we have a choice. We can either look at life and look at our situations through the lenses of doubt, unbelief, anxiety, and fear, or we can choose to look at the life that we've been given through the lenses of faith in God. And I'm suggesting that we look at life through the lenses of faith in God. Not only did they say that 
They couldn't do it, but they said, you know what, let's spread a bad report. Let's tell other people you can't do it. Not only can I get that job, but you can't get that job. Not only, not only is it not going to get better uh, here, but it's not going to get better in our nation. No, it's not going to get better in the world. No, our situation. No, negative begins to beget negative. And it begets negative, and it begets negative. And now they spread the bad report to the rest of Israel. But now look what happens next. It says, the land we explore devours those living in it. So now they've moved from a selfish view of doubt, a self-driven view of anxiety and fear, to now one that involves other people. Now they're flat out lying. The land was not eating people up. They did not see that. They saw fruit, they saw cities, they saw armies, but they did not see a horror movie of the land devouring people. Okay, lest you laugh. Let me show you how your life is full of fear. When, when a pain comes, uh-oh. Oh, cancer. Oh, 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 yep, that's definitely a lump right there. That's, I'm gonna die, <laughs> right? Something comes in the mail. Oh, the boss calls you. Oh, every situation that you face all of a sudden becomes so much bigger than what it is. Fear, false evidence appearing real. And for many of us, we're being driven by fear. And we are not people of fear. We are people of faith. We are believers. Amen. They doubted so much, they feared so much that they began to now exaggerate. The land is actually swallowing people up, and the people are of great size. And then they end with these words, and I want to use this as a transition. They said in this last sentence, verse 33, <clears throat> we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Look at that. We seemed like grasshoppers. We seemed small. We seemed insignificant in our own eyes, and, and look at this, and we looked the same to them, which means that the way in which people perceived them was directly connected to how they perceived themselves. A grasshopper mentality that they held created a grasshopper mentality that others held about them. And could it be that for many of us, we have views of ourselves Views of our capacity, views of our ability, views of what God has called us to do that's so small, that's so seemingly insignificant that we see ourselves as incapable, unable, when God says that that's not the way that I see you. And because we see ourselves that way, maybe others see the same. I don't know about you, but there's some people that have jobs where uh, you wonder, how did my boss become my boss? How in the world am I answering all their questions and they getting paid more money than me? How is it that new people will come in and I train them and then they get over me? How is that? Have you watched their attitude? Some of those people are the most aggressive people. They show up and they act like they're knowing what they're doing, even though you know that they don't know what they're doing. And you know what you're, you know what you're doing, but you're too, you're too shy. You're too afraid. You're too unsure. They, listen, they don't even know what they're saying, but they say it with boldness, right? <laughs> and you know what to say, but you're too afraid to even say it. And their attitude determines their altitude. 
And your attitude is determining sometimes your altitude. They seem like grasshoppers in their own eyes, and that's how others saw them. When I got called to preach you all, I felt like a grasshopper because I was called to preach in the Black Baptist Church, you all, and I mean, man, and I'm, I, you know, and some, some black people are light-skinned, and you can, you know, you're not, you're not sure. <laughs> When you see me, you know I'm black. It ain't no like, it ain't no, I wonder is he really black? You know in the dough, <laughs> black. And so here I am in the Black Baptist Church, you all, and you're supposed to preach if you're called to preach like a black preacher. And for those that don't know that, there is a certain way that many black preachers preach. And if you do not preach that way, you are invalidated from being a real preacher. And so... One day I decided <laughs> that I was going to preach this way right here. Yeah. And as I did it, people started leaving in crowds. They did. And then I went down to Dallas, Dallas Baptist University, a Southern Baptist school, and and I learned how to stand in one place and learn homiletics and hermeneutics and, 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 and rise and fall and stand in one place and three points and a pointer and a clicker. And I did that and the whole church left when I did that. <laughs> so I wasn't white enough to be white. I wasn't black enough to be black. And here I am spitting on the front row. God bless you. Thank you, gentlemen, for... <laughs> and sweating like a mule. And I just wonder, like, who in the world will ever listen to someone who sweats so much, who spits so much, who doesn't preach black, who doesn't preach white, then I was reminded that I was wonderfully and fearfully made. And child of God, you are one of a kind. Stop seeing yourself small. Stop seeing yourself as a grasshopper. Start seeing yourself as a child of God, made in the image of God, an overcomer, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. See yourself that way. Amen. Amen. As a person thinks in their heart, that's who you are. No one will ever like me. That's why don't nobody like you. No one will ever be my friend. That's why. That's why. <laughs> Leave home the, tomorrow saying everybody's going to be my friend. People on the bus, people at my job, people at McDonald's, everybody. All right, I'm almost done. <laughs> so, Harvey, you've built the case. You've built the case that we can have two perspectives about, about life. We can either look at life through the lenses of fear and doubt and anxiety that creates not only our own personal kind of negativity, but it also kind of increases the, the net of that to other people. And it has an effect that's really negative, not just for us, but for the people that are around us. We, we can have a, a fear-filled perspective, but we also, by choice, can have a faith-filled perspective, one that sees life the way that God sees it, the way that his word sees it. So you built that case, I get it. But I don't know how to do that, Harvey. How do you do that? I'm glad you asked. The answer is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Not going to be long. Here's the answer. And, the, and should, the page number should be on the screen if you want to turn it. Philippians 4 and 6. It says this. Here it is. Do not 
be anxious about anything. If your thing is under the category of anything, don't be anxious about it. Oh, but what about that thing? Is it a thing? Now, if your thing ain't a thing, then be anxious all day. But if your thing under the category of thing, don't be anxious about anything. Pastor, why not? Because Jesus is in charge. Listen, when you, when, you know, listen, when you know God's in charge, it changes how you view things. It gives you a set of knowledge that changes your perspective. I often use this story because I grew up watching Batman on TV. Some of y'all don't know nothing about Batman, but Batman, back in the day, Zonk Powell's, you know, that, the old Batman, the multicolored coat of many colors. Uh, Robin and Batman. So anyway, back in the day, the television show Batman came on every day, and every single day that Batman was on TV, Batman was getting ready to die. Every single episode, Batman was getting, somebody was getting ready to kill Batman every single day. And I remember going to the kitchen one time, I just couldn't take it. My poor little heart could not take it. I ran, I ran to my mom and said, Mama, they about to kill Batman! <laughs> my mother started stirring the greens, she said, baby, if they kill Batman, what's going to be the name of the show? <laughs> I said, I don't know. Uh, Alfred, uh, Commissioner, I don't know. In my mind, you insensitive woman. <laughs> no idea what I'm going through in this living room, and you have the nerve to ask me what the name of the show. She said, I'm a prophet. <laughs> she said, I prophesy, go back into the living room, son. And if you can, just sit down and watch the show, and I prophesy, Batman is not going to die. <laughs> With an attitude, I went back into the living room. I sat down. My face was set like stone, knowing that they about to kill him. It's the end of my life as we know it. What's what is the world going to be like without Batman? But I sat there anyway, and he was on a conveyor belt, you all. At the end of the conveyor belt, there was a saw that was getting ready to cut him in half. But, but he had a utility belt, and some of y'all don't know, he had a utility belt, and inside of Batman's utility belt was anything that you needed an answer to. Any situation, any circumstance, any obstacle, there was an answer in the utility belt. He wiggled his way out of the restraints, reached into his utility belt, and of course, he had a spray that was able to take steel and make it disintegrate. He sprayed it, the steel disintegrated, Batman got off the conveyor belt, and he lived. Well, I came to tell you, from that day forward, every time I watched Batman, my heart didn't beat. I didn't get all stressed out. I didn't get anxious. Why? Because I knew in the end he would win. Guess what, Soul City? I read the end of the book, and... We win! We win! <laughs> we win! So he says, don't be anxious about anything. Not yet, not yet, not yet. <laughs> we go in there though. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, Soul City, I, I need you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else, 
Sometimes you look at this energy and say, oh, Harvey, what energy? Where does it come from? It comes from thanksgiving. The reason that I move the way I do and I praise the way I do is because I'm thankful. Some of y'all may not know, but years ago, I was sent home into hospice to die. Unable to walk, unable to speak, unable to use the bathroom, had a feeding tube in my stomach keeping me alive. But God said, I'm not done with you. And I unplugged that machine and I'm walking and I'm talking and I'm praising. So why am I inviting you to give thanks because when you look back over your life and remember what God has done for you let the redeemed of the Lord say something give him some praise give him some praise soul city is there anybody here that knows that God is good, then give him praise in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The last thing God says, and we're finished. He says, and then I promise you when you do what you just did, he says, and the peace of God that goes beyond what makes sense will guard your heart and your mind through Christ. Child of God, you came in here broken, some of you. You came in here uncertain about our world, uncertain about our city, uncertain about your life. But there's a God who's not uncertain. There's a Jesus who's not unsure. And he's inviting you to have faith and no more fear. Faith and no more anxiety. Faith and no more doubt. And when you do it, choose that perspective. He'll give you peace. And it will pass understanding. Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think about that. Soul City, God wants to do in you as a church and in you individually some things that are going to blow your mind. But you got to stop seeing yourself like a grasshopper and see yourself like a child of God that you are. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, you're holy, you're righteous, you're pure. Thank you so much for this amazing opportunity that we have come together to walk on the water. Because God, that was an impossible thing to do. But Jesus, you said, come. And as you called Peter out of the boat, he walked on an impossibility. He did what seemed humanly impossible. You invite us to that, God, to begin to walk on the circumstances and situations of our lives because you call us out of the boat into the troubled waters to walk upon them. And so now, God, would you give your people faith-filled perspectives that we would see our lives through the lenses of faith and no longer fear, no longer doubt, no longer anxiety. And God, we give you the glory for what you're doing and what you're yet to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.